Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, um, I love those, that, that song right there. I mean, it's, uh, it's us on so many different levels, right? But the question is that, you know, when we sing those words, like, you know, it is well with my soul. You guys, we just sang that, man, and we felt it, and, and we, were, we were either owning it or we were hoping to own it, because my question is, is it really well? Is it really well with your soul? I mean, are you really, really settled inside? Because right now, there's a lot of crazy things happening in our world, all right, that would, that would, that would put that to the test, right? You know what I mean? Again, right? And it's crazy because at times like this, we get a lot of questions, right? You know, uh, you know I trip because you know, a lot of people are asking questions like, you know, you know, they start asking, what does the Bible say? Uh, you know, about things that are happening right now. Does the Bible have anything to say about all the stuff that is going on in the world right now? I mean, we just, we just, there's a lot of things that have been going on over these past few years. We just went through a whole pandemic, all right? And we're still all kinds of residual happening with that. The Bible got anything to say about that? All right, we have this huge, I mean, for, for the past couple of years, there's been this huge pressure for, you know, and pursuit and, and, and polarizing fight for power, all right, here in our own country and now across the world, all right, it's all over the place. And now we have Russia doing their little thing, right? And whatever the, whatever's going on over there, I mean, it's just, it's just this huge threat against the world, all right? And then, and then now we're looking at inflation, prices and stuff starting to rise, and we're going to see more and more people going hungry and stuff like that. And does, you know, and so does the Bible have anything to say about any of this? Yes, it does. What? I'm not going to tell you. Find out. Open it. What does it say? All right. Praise the Lord. Open up the word. All right. People ask me this, man, and I'm asking them right back. Well, why do you want to know? Why do you want to know? Is it because you want to change the world? Or is it because you're looking for more fuel to complain about it? <laughs> why do you really want to know? You see, the word of God is not there just to merely inform us, all right, but to inspire us to a catalyst, to inspire a catalyst for change through you, all right, by his spirit and for his glory and his glory alone. See, you and I, man, we're already changing the world just by being here. The question is, are you doing it on purpose? Are you doing it on purpose, man? I mean, yeah, we've been given a job to do, and I'm talking to the men and women here who call themselves Jesus people, all right? The men and women say, I'm all his, man, and this is my life. That's who I'm talking to, all right? And if you snuck in here for a free show, I'm glad you're here because now you get to see what, you know, that, what, what we have, all right, that, that, that's in front of us, and because we've been given a job to do. We've been given a mission to own, Right? Some people are even Christian. Jesus people saying, what job? What mission, man? When did that happen? The moment you gave your life to Christ, he gave you his Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just so we can look really cool, but it, it is cool. Having the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God who created the, 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 the heavens and the earth, that's cool. All right? But he didn't just give it to us to be cool. He didn't, he didn't give it to us just so we can feel really secure. Yes, it is very secure to, to, be, to be filled with the Holy Spirit and know that we're in his hands and our life is in his plans. We, that is a very secure place to be. But he's also given us his spirit so that we can know that we're equipped and then know that we're sent to be on mission with Jesus. 
when you prayed, he gave. And now it's up to you and me to engage, like right now, like right now, to engage, all right? Being assured that, and this is what we shared with you last week, that the Spirit of God and the Word of God is sufficient enough for the people of God to accomplish the mission of God. Yes, we talked about that last week, but in reference to the temptation that we go through, and I want to kind of bring it into, we told you last week that we're bringing this back, and, and if, you, if you missed last week, right, you need to go and view that and watch that and learn from that because it progressively leads into this week. It's a, and all these sermons actually are progressive as they move forward. We're going through the book of Luke, and they're going to be one after the other. You need to be about that. But if you missed it, you definitely need to check this one. All right, because in reference to our temptation, yes, the, Jesus showed us how the Spirit of God and the Word of God are sufficient enough for the people of God all right, to endure and overcome this temptation and stay remained engaged in the mission of God. You see, and, and you're like, okay, well, how, do, how does that work in my life? When, when you give your life to Christ, because again, He gives you His Spirit. And so we have, we're, we're, we have the spirit of God, but here's what we also have to put to the test because, you know, we're not, we're, we're also not given amazing understanding of his word unless we're in his word daily, daily in the word of God. I mean, if, if you're going to be on mission with God, we need to know how to hear his voice in his word and through his word. Too often, man, I just see Jesus people, man, they, they want to be more informed about the world than they do about the word. And that's a problem for us because the word is our filter of engagement and understanding the world. I've told you before, man, when you get up, don't turn on the news, not yet. Open the word of God so that helps you understand how to engage with what's going on in our world. You see, the, the, the word of God helps me understand the news of the world. The word of God helps me recognize how I'm to engage and be a part of what's taking place in the world. You see, that's, 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 what, that's why it's so important for us to be in the word of God. And that's why we're going through the book of Luke. We're challenging you in the basics of being a student of the word as we go through this book of Luke. I'm gonna give you three things right now, and this is not where the sermon is going, but this is just for you. Put this in your pocket, take it with you, all right? Because when we, you know, a question was asked last week, what does it mean to be a student of the word? And just, it's just to put it simply, all right, when you approach the word of God as a, as a follower of Jesus Christ, just ask these three, three questions, and this is just helpful when, when, when opening up the word. What did it mean then? What does it mean now? And what does it mean to you? This is a great way. Number one, you look and check and see, and we're going to actually do this today. All right, what did it mean then? All right, when, when it was actually written, what was going on in the world? What does it mean today when all these crazy things are going on in the world today? And what does it mean to me? What does it mean to you as God calls us to engage and what's happening, not just across the ocean, but right here outside of your little sphere of breathing room. All right, what does it look like for you? All right, so, so we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna go back in time right here, go back 2,000 years ago, and we're going to take a look at our king, our savior. We're going to look at Jesus and how he deals with current events and crazy things that are going on in the world. You know, when we, when we look at this time the, 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 of, of Christ, when, when Luke was written and the story he's writing about Christ, the world was already pretty dang crazy. 
It was survival of the fittest, all right? And so far, the fittest was Rome. And Rome was just usurping you know, you know, their, 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 you know, everything. They were just kind of you know, shoving around their power everywhere you go. And if you were a Roman soldier, you kind of had carte blanche no matter what town you're in for whatever you want. And people were being oppressed. They were kind of overwhelmed with everything that was taking place. And Israel was crying out for God again as they have been in captivity and, and never really been a nation of their own since David and, and it's been gone crazy and crazy and splitting and everything's been really, really horrible. And Jesus comes along the scene as, as the whole nation of Israel is praying again for a savior, looking for a savior. And we come to our, our area in text and, and we're gonna teach through this a little bit today. So stay with me because I'm kind of gonna be all over the place, but, but just remember the spirit of God, all right, and the word of God is sufficient enough for the people of God, all right, to accomplish the mission of God, amen? amen. Let's pray we're going to jump into our story in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Give you a little bit of time to turn there, and, uh, and let's pray. Father, we just give you the praise. Lord God, man, help me get out of the way, Lord, and um, help all of us, help me and everyone here and everyone watching, help us to engage with you, Lord God, in your word, by your spirit, for your mission. We pray this for, Lord God, in, in your mighty name of Jesus Christ. Offer your glory. Amen? Amen. Cool. Um, just to warn you guys, uh, I have no timer here, so we're just here for whatever, man, all right? We're good, all right? I don't know what they did. Something's broke. It's good with me, all right? I probably shouldn't have said that because now they're going to put it up there, all right? <laughs> Roll with it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Here we go. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. All right. We just got through reading chapter 4, verse 1 through 13. All right. And I included these verses in the reading, verse 14 and 15, last week because there's a transition. And I'll share that with you in, her, uh, but in a moment. And so we just got through talking, you know, through verses uh, 1 through 13 about how Jesus was being tempted by the enemy and how he overcame in the power of the Spirit. All right. And being filled with the Spirit and, and, in just basically declaring his word and how there was great victory in that. And so now we come to verse 14 and what is important to remember or to at least understand right here, verses 14 and 15 are what you might call a bridge passage. You see, John wrote in, in the book of John, if, if we were to write everything that Jesus did and said, the whole world wouldn't be able to contain all these books. All right, and so we have Luke kind of jumping, kind of taking big leaps in his story writing and jumping, and we're, what, what we on? Some are next day and next day, some are a week after, and some there's a lot of time like right here. And verse 14 and 15, a lot of time went by, and if you want to find out, get a little bit more detail what took place in those times, you can go to John chapter 1 through 4, and those are actually the events in, in, in John chapter 1 through 4. Those are some of the events that took place between the temptation, all right, in the wilderness that we talked about last week. And what we're getting ready to talk about today. This is kind of what you might call, again, a bridge passage. It says in, in verse 14, and Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. All right? And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. Everywhere they started hearing about him in that country. So it tells me that he was going over here, he was going over here. So some things were taking place. Some scholars say that it was up to, you know, it was, it was up to either between six months and a year 
that actually is encompassed in these verses right here. All right, so, so with that in mind, all right, we're leading into our, our you know, where this bridge kind of takes us into this next place. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit, all right, and a report about him went throughout all the surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And there's a word we use a lot when we're reading the scriptures, but, but sometimes we, maybe we just don't understand it. What did that mean back then? What was a synagogue? There's some today, all right? And they're a little bit different than they were uh, back then, but not a lot, all right? Uh, but, but, but maybe a lot because we have all the technology we have back uh, now. But without all of that, at the very essence, if you want to ask what, what was a synagogue, you can, if you take a look at our recenter, our recenter up the road, we, we, we actually planted that recenter with the, in mind the, the life of a synagogue, basically seeking the well-being of the community around it. Being that, 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 that spiritual reference point where, you know what, you can come and you can, uh, you know, on the weekends, you had a weekend service kind of like this. And during the weekdays, there was actually, you know, there was stuff going on where they were helping people, the poor people and people that were hurting and people that were in need. There was actually a school there that took place for kids to come and learn the word of God. It, it was a pretty amazing place. And it says that in verse 16, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, in other words, he, he, you know, he, this is something he regularly did. He went to the synagogue of the, on the Sabbath day. Jesus went, literally kind of went to church because here's what took place in the synagogue on the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was that day where, where you know, a day of reflection, a day of connection and a day of projection. In other words, it was, it was a day that where you would reflect on what God has done you know, so far and, what, and a connection of what God is doing right now and projection of what God is gonna do, you know, and, what's coming. The problem back at this time is they, they, they lost the connection part. And all they would do is reflect on what he did and project on where he's going. And we do that a lot today. But Jesus came to remind them of the connection of the day and the importance of right now. And he went in there. And in a basic synagogue service on the Sabbath day, you would have, you would have prayer. You would have some praise. They would sing. There would be a reading from the law, one of the first five books of, of Moses. And then there would be a reading from the prophets, and then there would be a teaching. And then a benediction, everybody go home and talk about whether or not it was good or not. All right? So, you know, where'd that come from, right? But that's what happened. And that's where he's at. And as he was in there, all right, uh, what would happen there a lot of times, uh, there, there would be a guy who called the, he was called the Hazar. He was basically the ruler of the synagogue. And it was his job to, to, to basically line up the scripture that would be read that weekend. He would also line up a teacher or a traveling teacher or somebody who was equipped with the word to be able to speak that day. And this day, Jesus walked into this place. It was in his hometown. And they handed him the reading. The scroll, it says, and the scroll of, prophet, of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and he unrolled it. And he found the place where it was written. So they, they, again, they didn't have Bibles, they didn't have pages, they didn't have books like we have. They just had scrolls, right? And then they would, he, would, he would unroll it. <laughs> Where's it at? <laughs> there it is right there. All right, and find the, the, the place where he was going to read. And this is where he found it. He found this place right here. And he says, and here's what it was written. He read this. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. All right, we're going we're to unpack a couple of these words. And he has anointed me 
to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He was reading from Isaiah 61. All right, and, 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 his, and this is what was handed to him, and this is what was read, and he read this with authority. Why? Because he wrote it. He inspired it. It's his word, and it's about him, and so of course he's going to read it like it's his. All right, and he says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. What does that mean? It means that God God's Holy Spirit is all over me, all right? And everywhere, it's just all over me, and he has anointed me. And basically, what does that mean, all right? In the, in, you know, in, 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 the, in the direct sense, it means that he has been spiritually assigned, spiritually appointed, and he has been set aside for the work that God has chosen us to do. A lot of times, we like to say, we're anointed, or you're so anointed, all right? But do you understand what that means? Do you understand the implication? Do you understand the engagement, all right, in Jesus? Jesus' mission, all right, that that word brings. A lot of times we put it on like a fashion statement. Yes, I'm totally anointed. You know what I mean? So anointed right now. I'm just so anointed. You know what I mean? But, but we're, we're, we're real. This is, this is, you look at this and you'll see exactly what it means. He has anointed me, all right, to, there's a two, anointed to, all right? I'm spiritually assigned to, spiritually appointed to. There's a job to do. You notice it doesn't say, oh, he has anointed me to show up at church once in a while. Or to maybe check out a Bible study. Or to just have a memory verse. <laughs> yes, those are important. But he has anointed me, all right, to proclaim, to preach the good news to the poor. And here's what sin does. Sin makes, it impoverishes people. It takes. And he's, in, he's anointed me to preach the good news that gives. All right? And he sent me. In other words, he's put me on mission to proclaim liberty to the captives, sight to the blind, and liberty to those who are oppressed. Those who are just overwhelmed by the distraction and, and the oppression and the, 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 the temptation of the enemy. And he rolled the scroll back up. He gave it back to the intendant, and he sat down. And that's how that would go. They would normally uh, read standing up, and they would sit down and teach. And all the eyes of the people in the synagogue were fixed on him and waiting to see what he was going to say. And it's awesome because he begins with a very, very intentional and important word. He says, today, today, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus basically declared that with the spirit and the word, all right, his, he was mission ready and he was fully engaged and this is what is happening right now. And here's what, you know, I want to kind of, before I get into the today thing, I want to challenge you. When you take a look at that, that list of engagement and the hurt and the pain of the world that is still taking place right now, we have to consider this one thing. If this was Jesus' mission, Right, if this was his mission, and if Jesus is our king, then doesn't it make it our mission as well? I mean, we have his spirit, we have his word, so we need to own his 
mission because the spirit of God and the word of God are sufficient all right, for the people of God to accomplish the mission of God right now. He said today, and what I love about that is Jesus, he talked about God in the here and now. And that's a crazy thing because you know it's the now that hangs people up, right? It's the now that gets us all, all bound up, right? We're comfortable talking about you know what God has done. We love to talk about the things that God has done. I remember, and I remember, and I read, and this and that, and I heard a story of the things that God has done. And then we want to run over here and talk about the things that he is going to do, and this is going to happen, and I can't wait till this happens, and this is going to be glorious, and this is going to be amazing. But, but oddly enough, we, we leave the middle out, and that is the here and the now and the right now. We, you know, we research what has been. We project on what will be. And oddly enough, we leave ourselves out of the equation of the right now. Here's what I want to challenge you to think about, man. If, if we got nothing to say about what God is doing right now, then we don't got anything. What do you got? If I was to ask you, what is God doing right now? How would you answer that? If I was to ask you, how does God have you engaged in his mission today, this moment, how would you answer that? You need to be able to answer that. I wonder if maybe that's why sometimes people have a hard time taking us seriously because we're always in the past or way too far in the future and we're not not involved and engaged in what's taking place now, today, today. Jesus put it like this. He says in John chapter 15, verse 16, you need to read the whole chapter. 15 is a pretty amazing chapter. I mean, he said, you didn't choose me. I love this verse. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. He just reminds me of something so important. You didn't choose me. He said, but I, I chose you. And I chose you and you and he chose you, he chose you, he chose you, he chose you, he chose you. This is crazy. You didn't choose me, and he didn't just choose you either. He, but, but he chose you, and he also appointed you, spiritually assigned you this anointing of his Holy Spirit. He's, he's appointed you, spiritually assigned you, that you should go and engage right now and bear fruit. You're like, what kind of fruit? Okay, you're a Jesus person. That makes you a Jesus tree. So what kind of fruit should be hanging off your tree? Jesus fruit. <laughs> Just answer that. <laughs> I appointed you that you, you should engage today and go and bear fruit and that your fruit will abide. Why? Because it's not really your fruit. It's his the Spirit of God and the Word of God sufficient enough for the people of God to accomplish the mission of God. So that whatever you ask, and people look at this, they just, they just hear the whatever you ask part, and they, and they forget the other part, and they look at this as a blank check. Whatever you ask, knowing that you are chosen, knowing that you're accepting the assignment of being sent and going and bearing fruit, whatever you ask the Father in my name is going to give it to you. This is important. This is important, man. We look at this and we're like, okay, well, where, where do we engage at? Because, you know, I've been, this has been, you know, some of you are like saying, I know, I've been waiting to find out what he wants me to do. 
And right now you're waiting more. (laughs) What does he want me to do? No. First of all, that the spirit of God and the word of God are sufficient enough for you to go and do exactly what he's asking you to do. But if you're having a problem discovering that, engage now. The the work that he alluded to in in those first few chapters is taking place right now through this church, through our recenter. You know, we, we have places you can sign up right here for an application, all right? Yes, you have to apply to serve in this community. Absolutely, why wouldn't you? Right? We want to know more about you. We want you to know more about what's going on in this community and then apply and get engaged with the work. We're, we're, ha- we're, we're, we're feeding the, 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 you know, the hungry. All right? we're, 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 we're taking care of the needs of the people of, uh, you know, that are in poverty. We're trying to help them out of poverty. We're looking for mentors to actually kind of walk alongside people who are getting out of prison, getting out of poverty. All kinds of stuff is taking place. We have a workbench. It's just up to you to go and engage. Fill out the old app. We have kids that need ministering to. This is not a catacall to come work with our children because not all of you, hardly any of you, probably be working with our kids. I mean, I had a guy who wanted to work with a kid one time. He was like, I you know, love Jesus. I love the Lord. I love this church. Um, I, I know you need help with kids. I don't like them, but I'll help. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Sign up right here, bud. <laughs> Again, no, there's, a, there's an application that needs to be taking place. And, getting, and going through, and the whole thing, man, engage in the mission. He chose you. You didn't choose him. He's appointed you. He has an assignment for you, but unless we're actually getting in and saying, okay, maybe not this one, trying this. No, maybe not this one. Trying that. Oh, I found it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. We have a workshop called The Way. All right, we're going to do another run here in a few months. Get involved in that. We're going to help you even to, on a more intense level find that out. Why is this important? Check this out. He, he, first, uh, Second Timothy chapter four, t- uh, Paul tells us why this is important. And he tells us that we, all of us need to be engaged in the, mi- in the mission, at least on this level. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge, the living and the dead. And by his appearance and his kingdom, uh, his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But they're going to have itching ears. And they're going to accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they're going to turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. It kind of sounds what's taking place right now. And this was written 2,000 years ago. Our kids right now are the collateral damage, all right, if we don't own this mission. We have no business complaining about a godless world if we neglect to show the world God. Don't you agree? And then he says, finally, and as for you, be sober-minded. Be in the word. Endure suffering and do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Amen? But that doesn't always go smoothly, does it? It doesn't always go real smooth. Not everybody's just waiting for you to come tell them about Jesus, right? <laughs> you know, that's why we're supposed to share the truth in love. But Jesus, he shows us how to deal with this. Because he said today this is fulfilled in your hearing. And this next verse tells us that he actually had more to say that's not recorded, and they were just kind of blown away by it. It says right here, it says that they all spoke well of him. They marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Now, 
he started preaching, they started engaging. But then they started looking at him. Sometimes the way they look at us. I said, wait, I know you. Right? Isn't this Joseph's son? We know this guy. Remember, he's back in his hometown. He's in Nazareth. He hasn't been gone that long. I said, I know this guy. He just built our fence last week. He's a carpenter's son. Right? He's the carpenter's son, man. This guy, he's 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 he works in, in our community. He's done all kinds of stuff. How is he coming along saying that now, you know, he's, he's given these credentials that he is actually the son of God? This is a problem. All right? And there was a little bit of an uproar. And here's what I know. People are going to judge you, all right, on who you were because they can't understand who God is calling you to be. And that will always happen in our life. People will judge you all right, on who you were because it's all the reference they have because they can't understand where God is calling you to be, all right, because they can't really engage with who God has made you to be today and the work he's calling you to do today. But you can't let that guide you, man. You, that, that, you know, uh, you know if, if all you're doing is waiting to see, for pe- you know, for waiting to see what people think of you and, and how they would define you, well, then you have a long way because there's a line right? Isn't there a line of people just waiting to tell you who you should be, what you should be doing? And he said to them, this was the response. He says, doubtless you're going to quote to me this proverb, physician, heal yourself. What we heard you did in Capernaum, do here now in your hometown as well. Where you're traveling around doing some stuff. We heard about some of those stories. Remember, news was all over the place. We heard about this stuff. What we heard about you, uh, you know, before, do it here as well. In other words, they're telling, prove it, man. Give us a miracle. And what's crazy was last week, we just discovered that the devil tried the same thing on him, right? So let me just remind you, if people are trying the same tactics on you that the devil tried on Jesus, that's a good indicator just to say, okay, I don't probably have to listen to you, Right? <laughs> Probably. And he said, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Basically he said, no matter what I do, you're not gonna receive it. And then he shares with him more of the word. He, he tells him a couple of stories out of the Old Testament about the prophet Elijah and Elisha. He says, but I tell you in truth, man, there were, there were all kinds of widows in, in Israel, all right, in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months. In other words, it wasn't raining, and there was a great famine, and people were starving all over the place, all right? There was a lot of widows, all right, that were hurting and hungry for food, but Elijah was sent to none of them. He was actually sent to this Zarephath in, in, in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. He was sent to a foreigner. And, and, uh, and he says, and, and they rose up, all right, to, oh, I'm sorry. And then it says, and there were many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them were cleansed except only Naaman, the Syrian. And when they heard all these things in the synagogue, they were filled with wrath. One time Paul was preaching in a synagogue, I forget where it was, uh, but it's in, it's in Acts chapter 13, he's preaching in a synagogue, right? he's preaching to the Jews, and the Gentiles, the people who are non-Jews were getting really excited about it, and the Jews started to get jealous. And he said, look, it was fitting that we brought to you guys the word first, all right, uh, you know, but, but, but since you, you know, are just turning down eternal life, we're going to go over here to these guys, and these guys rejoiced. And of course, these guys get mad. But we have to own the same mindset, man. We're not here to please people. We're here to serve God and love people. That's what we're here to do. But we're not here to please people. 
We're not here to be mad people because everybody's going to have a different opinion, like I said earlier, about who you should be and what you should be saying. And so God says, look at man, they're, 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 they, they put Jesus to the test this way, they're going to put you to the test. Look what happens here. And they rose up and they drove him out of town. Well, just a minute ago, they were saying, this is a good job. This local boy's doing pretty good, ain't he? All right? And they rose up and they drove him out of town. And they, and they brought him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built so they could throw him off the cliff. And by passing through their midst, he went away. Sometimes I think that's, that last verse is over-spiritualized. They're like, what did he do? Just kind of float through there? You know what I mean? He's like, oh, hover over them. And, you know what I mean? I just believe Jesus was a carpenter. He had some muscles. I'm getting out of my way. All right? And we say, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. Forget it then. Just my theory. All right? Don't take it as scripture, but I just, he, I mean, he literally passed through their midst. And so maybe he just did that. <laughs> Whatever. I don't think he shoved anybody down, but I don't know. You ever got walking through the line or, or, or a girl that just looks like she's a cage fighter walking through the line? You're like, okay, go ahead. No problem. <laughs> Good. Do it. <laughs> I'll be, I'm not too ashamed to admit there's some girls out there going to probably just beat me down. I'm going to move. All right. Anyways. Where's that all going? Anyways, here's what I want to tell you. Haters are going to hate, right? We know this. And I love what this guy said. I can't remember who he is. But he says, if you can, you know, here's the crazy. If you can walk on water, a hater's going to say it's because you can't swim. All right? There's always going to be somebody who has something to say. But what's crazy is when you become your own hater. And I want to challenge you with that really quickly as we, as we close out here. What's crazy is when you become your own hater. You know, they say you're your worst critic. When we look in the mirror and say, man, are you, who are you trying to kid? Well, now we're just giving the devil our boots and saying, go ahead, kick. And because of that, we, you know, we, we look at the problems in the world, man, and the, and the engagement that God would have us even in our own community. And we say, we'll just leave it up to the experts. Well, that's you. You see, you're the expert. You're like, how am I in the extra? Nobody knows, all right, more about you giving your life to Christ than you, right? Nobody knows more about that. Nobody knows more what it looks like to have Jesus in your life and change the life that he changed from, from, from death to life than you. You are the expert, and you're the expert in the area that he is calling you, that he chose you and appointed you for. You're already the expert because he has given you his Holy Spirit, and he gives you his word. You just need to be sure that you know that the Spirit of God and the Word of God are sufficient enough for the people of God to accomplish the mission of God. So when you start questioning yourself, start to look around. Remember, the Apostle Paul put it like this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He says, are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or even from you? You are our letters of recommendation, written on our hearts to be known and read by all. What God has doing and what God has done, all right, what God is continuing to do right now today is your qualification, is your credentials, the Spirit of the Lord, what he's done in your life, what he's doing in your life this moment is huge. And you show that you're a letter from Christ. Amen. You might be the only Bible that somebody ever reads. 
delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence that we have through Christ towards God. This is why it is well with my soul. Amen? Praise the Lord. So I want to challenge you this week to commit to a few things. All right? Three things. I want you to start to work on these things, right? And they're, and they're very simple, and they're things you're probably already doing, but maybe I'm just saying them differently. Number one, develop a hunger for the Word by being in the Word daily. Now sometimes it's just like, I just, I'm not getting it. Stay in the Word daily. There are times that I will stay on just one passage that God gives me, all right, for the week. It comes in through a, a Bible study. It comes in through an app or, or, or a devotion I'm doing or, or just comes through this, this progressive reading that I do. And sometimes that one scripture will come along and I just don't understand what he's saying or why I'm even getting it. And so I will stay in that scripture until God helps me understand. And I've been in scriptures for weeks, for weeks. And there's still two scriptures I've been in for two years now two areas of scripture that I've been over two years. I'm still trying to unpack it. I haven't left. You know, develop a hunger for the word by being in the word every day, man. Just, just, just create that space. Put it on your calendar. Number two, ask questions about the word, all right, to someone you know is in the word. Ask questions about the Word of God to someone you know who is in the Word. You have people around you that are in the Word. And you know they're in the Word. Ask them questions about the Word and then go back and see if what they said makes sense according to the Word. Develop that hunger. Ask questions. And then talk about what you learned in the Word. Amen? Talk it out. I talk about what I learned in the Word so much that I'm talking about it when nobody's around. Not even kidding, man. There are butterflies and horses and just, wow, my dog. They know the Word of God because I am preaching to them all the time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen? Talk about the Word. Talk about what you learned in the Word. And here's what I want you to do. I'm going to put this up there. Take a picture of this. Check our work. Check your work. Trust His work. Here's some of the scripture we went through today. All right? I threw more in there just to give it more context, more around the, you because know, I only had a couple of verses in some places. All right? Check it out. All right? Open this up. This is a good reading for that. What do I read? Read this this week. Read this. We're going to give this to you every week. All right? And if we don't, all right, whoever's preaching, even if it's me, say, hey, where's our scripture? At the end of the sermon. It's okay, you have my permission to do that. Just, you know, do it kindly. <laughs> but we're gonna do this. Why? Because the Spirit of God and the Word of God are sufficient enough for the people of God to accomplish the mission of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Love you guys.